please introduce yourself. I'm Kate Howell. I'm a senior lecturer in the School of Agriculture and Food and I work in areas related to food and nutrition, specifically for this discussion, I think bread. You're the bread lady. (laughs) So they tell me. Bread has been around since, well, before they started slicing it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think if you're interested in finding a little bit more about that, uh, Bruce Pascoe's book, Dark Emu, talks about Australia actually being the birthplace of bread and bread being first made here. And I think some archaeological evidence shows that, you know, it's been 40,000 years of bread making in Australia. So that means the Indigenous population were using Indigenous grains. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Tell us more. Oh, well, um, I just came from the lab, actually, where I have an honours student who's working with native millet, and he is interested in understanding its composition and how we could use it in the food system to be able to... I guess to provide a a really uniquely Australian bread for a start, but also to to kind of put it into a product that um, is acceptable for the consumer. So it's not a big leap into a different sort of bread, but it kind of hits both. And we're working with Bruce Pascoe on that project, actually. Bruce Pascoe is a well-known Indigenous representative for various Indigenous communities. Yes, he is, and a phenomenal intellect, an amazing academic and a fantastic communicator. And he's really enthusiastic about bringing this research into the mainstream and these foods into the mainstream as well. So with my work, I'm hoping to be able to provide a little bit of a research basis, some baseline information to be able to to get that happening for them. I think it's an amazing thing that all Australians can be really proud of. I can't wait to taste our own bread. (laughs) You're not the only. Can I do it on Dookie Day? Unfortunately, no. There's just not enough of it around. I think we could we could probably make one a minuscule little loaf, and we'd have to charge everyone a million dollars for a morsel. Maybe the vice chancellor would be allowed to have a have a bid, I guess. <laughs> but no, it's just not at commercial levels yet. But that's exactly where we'd like to go, and it's exactly what Bruce and his group of really keen workers and researchers and family members are working with. So at some future dookie day in about, I don't know how many years. I don't know, maybe five years we'd be able to have grain safe. So what can I see at Dookie Day? We're going to be making bread using different grains. So we we all know wheat. Wheat is, we, we can buy a kilogram of white flour in the supermarket for maybe a dollar, which is crazy when you think about what goes into it. It's a really important commodity for Australia, for the world, and a really important source of nutrients. We tend to use very few cultivars or different, I guess, breeds of plants within that wheat genus to be able to make bread. And, and there's a growing community community of bakers who are interested in using different grains, farmers who are interested in growing them, and millers who, who are sort of specialising in particular milling techniques to be able to, to bring those to the market. So I've got some purple wheat, hoping to make some bread out of purple wheat. You didn't know that existed, but it does. Um, red wheat. Um, we have some in crazy grains called Spitfire and uh, Rosella, which some former students grow um, on, their, on their farm, and we're going to be making some breads using some of those different grains. So I'll be able to see the grains on the day? Absolutely. We'll be having, there'll be little samples of them. People will be able to see how they they look differently, they smell different. And the other thing we'll be doing is comparing, this really speaks to the heart of 
my scientific interest is microbiology. So I'm a microbiologist. I love yeast and bacteria and how they interact with one another. And bread's a fantastic system to look at how to do that. So we're going to be producing bread with these different grains, but also with different fermentation styles. So a sourdough is a particular fermentation style. And this is where a natural community of yeast and bacteria ferment the bread. When they're doing that, they're producing aromas and flavours and they're changing the structure of the dough. And I think when you've had a really good sourdough, you probably don't want to go back. The other way of making bread is to use a, a commercial yeast you can buy off the shelf. It's a particular species of yeast. It does a really good job. But I would argue some of the flavour, some of the interest, some of the texture and some of the nutritional benefits are lacking in some of those breads. So you're putting flavour and nutrition back into bread. I know. You're a hero. <laughs> well, I love bread. I love making it. I love eating it. It's a really good way to demonstrate these different systems in a product that people love. When we're baking bread, and we'll be doing it next week in the lab, I have students baking bread and the whole, everyone pops out of their office like, hmm, what are you doing here? <laughs> the smell brings everyone out. It's really great. So on Dookie Day, can I eat some of your experimental breads? You certainly can. I'll be up at the crack of dawn, academic turned baker. I'll be making these batches of bread and they'll be there and everyone is welcome to come along and have a taste. I'll look forward to talking to everyone more about it. Tell me how we went from commercially made sliced bread to now looking at artisan breads. What was the decision there? Yeah, that's a really interesting story. And I know uh, sociologists and anthropologists have started to investigate this in, in a bit more detail. I think white bread really was a kind of a, a miracle of the Industrial Revolution. It was homogenous, it looked beautiful, it was nice and soft. You could, It was like the best thing, thing since sliced bread, as they say. As they say. But I think we lost a bit of interest and flavour and texture and I guess a control of, of the food system by purchasing our bread. And I, I think it's really interesting to try and make a loaf of bread at home, see how you do it, because it's a bit of a miracle. You put this gloopy white mess into the oven and then you take out this incredible smelling loaf. And it's quite easy to do. You can do it yourself without a lot of cost as well. I think it's a lost art in a lot of ways. And I, I know there's a lot of bakers around who are, who are way better uh, bakers than I'll ever be, of course, but they're trying to bring this back as a way to for people to sort of reclaim the food system a little. Bread's got a bit of a bad rap with various eating regimes. What's your response to that? Oh, look, I think there's some people who really can't tolerate wheat-based products, and I, 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 that's a, a really a medical condition. It's well characterised. There's, there's things we don't know about that, and I, I actually feel very, very sorry for this because bread makes their way through a lot of different products where processed foods where it maybe doesn't really belong or wouldn't have necessarily belonged in history. So it's a medical condition, and we're hoping there's people working on it um, that it could be treated one day. Absolutely. The more we know about it, more we can do. I think people avoid bread, maybe unnecessarily sometimes. I find that it causes gut disturbances. And there could be a lot in that as well. We don't know everything about human disease. There's certainly things we haven't characterised yet. That could be a problem. But I think there's a third group of people that maybe avoid bread just because it's the thing to do, maybe. And that's a little bit of a problem, actually, because bread's a really important form of, of nutrients in the diet and of fibre. And Australians just don't eat enough fibre. So I think that group of people, maybe we could bring them back into the fold with some um, delicious artisan bread. Nice sourdoughs. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so many great ones out perfect there. perfect with soups. Oh, I know. And you put some smashed avo on the top. Nothing. <laughs> can't, can't really add anything more to that. It's delicious. I love it that you're reinventing 
something that's age old. It's not me reinventing it. There's lots of people working on it. I'm just doing it within a particular research environment. I'm really working, trying to work closely with these bakers and millers and farmers and trying to provide a little bit of background information. I'm learning a lot. You know, this is, uh, in a lot of cases, understanding these grains is a new area for me. But bringing together expertise across the university within our faculty and beyond can really add a lot of value to these products and diversify the food system is what I'm hoping. What do you love about Dookie? Oh, Dookie's beautiful. So beautiful up there. That blue sky, so much space. I love the mountains there. It's just gorgeous. And I encourage my students to go to Dookie if they're given the chance because it's really a a taste of Australia, unlike you'll, you'll see in a city. I've got an idea for you. Train up all your students to train the rest of Australia to make artisan breads. <laughs> well, that's what they're doing in the prac next week, actually. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a week ahead of you there. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And then once we get the Indigenous grains happening, that's wave number two. Absolutely. This is really exciting. A really exciting area. I've never met someone so excited about yeast. What is it with yeast? You name a delicious food product and yeast are involved somehow. Oh, <laughs> we're, we're yeah. talking my, my hit list. We're talking bread, wine, beer, chocolate, coffee, uh, any kind of fermented or bubbling beverage out there, pickled vegetables, all that sort of thing. They've all got yeast in them. They're really important for food production. Oh, I didn't know about coffee and chocolate. No, they're and, a fermented product, yeah. And also vegetables. Yeah, so you're pickling vegetables. Generally, it's a, it's a lactic fermentation. It can be, but introducing yeasts really starts to bring out different flavours. So a, a fermentation really is a, is a way of deriving more nutrition out of a product. It can make things more bioavailable for the human organism to access and, and actually help our gut microbiome and in as well at the same time. So yeasts, they, they take a sugary source and they transfer it into other compounds and often those compounds are flavour compounds so they make things taste more delicious by definition. I met a winemaker about 10 years ago who said it's got nothing to do with the grapes it's all the yeast. Oh, I like that winemaker because there's a, <laughs> all the viticulture say, no, it's all in the vineyard. But yeast are what make wine. They, they take the sugars, they derive energy from that, they produce ethanol and they produce bubbles, carbon dioxide. So without yeast, we don't have wine. We just have kind of a nice but maybe a little bit of a boring grape juice. So it does depend on what yeast you use. Oh, absolutely. And diversity of yeast is really important. So looking at taking wild yeast from outside of the vineyard and winery and bringing them in to ferment the grapes can produce a really interesting flavour. And and some would say, and we have some research on this actually, imprints the flavour of where the grapes have grown onto the wine. So this is starts to talk about how a place can actually have a flavour. And this speaks to the French notion of terroir, which is about how where a place grows imprints either the cultural values, the environmental effects or the climate and weather, it affects the flavour and that becomes a unique product from a unique place. And yeast, we've got the data now, yeast are definitely key to that. So everybody enjoy the dookie flavour. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kate Howell. Thank you for having me. Chris Barnes is my name. My role here at Dookie at the university is that I'm a lecturer in wine technology and viticulture. So across the faculty I look after the teaching and learning about wine 
that one word which encompasses <laughs> sciences such as viticulture and enology, but I also am the winemaker here at the college where we make wine with students for teaching and also for use throughout the faculty. Have some of your alumni gone on to be great winemakers? Yes, they've gone in to be winemakers. Most of them a little young to be great, <laughs> perhaps yet. But yeah, we do have winemakers in Germany, Austria, Burgundy in France, New Zealand, and also wine marketers, people who've got their own small businesses. One fellow in the Yarra Valley, for example, who's got his own little label, uh, sourcing grapes and making wine. So yeah, all sorts of things in wine. I'm here at Dookie Day and I notice some of the labels have Bertie, your black Labrador dog. Tell me about that. Yes, well, since I sort of came into this role and started making, I guess, a, a wine each year that was uh, commercial as well as with the students, I decided it needed something that was distinctive and I thought Bertie, my black lab, is great. I love black Labradors, I love Bertie and sort of because I'm in charge, I can do it. So every year has Bertie on a label? Yes, it does. The difference is we're evolving in the sense that the graphics and so on, but now we're evolving so that it has Bertie on the label, but in a different position. So if you look at 2017, he's lying down, and then 2018, when you see that, he's sitting up, and 2019, well, who knows, begging for a glass of wine or something. But <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see. Has he tasted the wine? No, he's smelt it. Actually, Bertie is in fact a member of staff in the sense that he's a trained Melbourne University detection dog and his detection skills, one of them, is a wine fault which originates in a spoilage yeast called Britannomyces. So Bertie's been trained as a detection dog with one of my colleagues, Sonia Needs, using detection dog training techniques. So Bertie sniffs out a bad barrel of wine. That's the theory. Uh, he needs a, a bit of encouragement. He needs the odd bone. Sometimes he decides to lie in the sun and do nothing, but <laughs> that's the theory. Yeah, we're working on that. Yeah. Okay, so if you're here at Dookie Day, come by and say hello to Chris, but also give Bertie a pat. He, he loves that, but don't give him bacon because he'll get too fat. When you first arrived at Dookie, what delighted you about this campus? Oh, look, I mean, apart from the obvious, uh, the place in terms of, you know, where it is, the historic uh, references back to the 1880s and, and the great, I guess, visual beauty of it, it's also the feeling of community here. Everyone works together and we all sort of aim to give the students the experience they want at Dookie, which is having a really valuable time here and that's valuable not only in succeeding academically, but also succeeding in their own lives and, and fulfilling what they want to do broadly in agriculture, but also the students from all over the university who come here even for a week at a time to do my wine breadth subjects. What's changed in winemaking over the decades? Oh, what's changed? Well, if you said over the decades, what's changed is some of the machinery we use in wine, which actually makes the process more efficient in the sense of uh, the use of power and the use of water, the use of you know those resources which are expensive and tight in, in all senses of the word. So that's been one major change. The other change would be over the decades less new oak in wine and more about subtle, I guess, and older oak. But the biggest change in very recent times, and I'm talking really only the last five to ten, let alone decades, is the experimentation, I guess, with 
what's broadly called natural winemaking and non-interventional winemaking things and terms such as organic and biodynamic and so on. But that's true of a lot of food and agriculture generally. Make me smart. Give me some wine factoids <laughs> I can share you. with my wine drinking buddies because I know nothing about wine. So give me some smart things I can share with them. Okay, what's a smart thing? Best value for money, white wine is always going to be uh, Riesling. Why? Because it's almost never put into oak that reduces price and it's a variety that's been grown almost everywhere in Australia for almost as long as Australian winemaking so we know how to do it and it's unfashionable so it's good value. Is there anything I need to know about beer? Oh yeah, well, certainly about beer. We do brewing here now as a subject or two subjects. One we do at Parkville and then here I turn every July, I turn the winery into a series of micro or in fact even smaller than nano breweries where uh, groups, three or four students make 30 to 40 litres of their own beer which is done as part of a practice of brewing subject we run as a residential here. And that's great and I work really closely with Charlie Pagel who's the brewer brewing expert in our faculty and we have a great time and beer is very important because all winemakers have a cold beer at the end of the day. Share a beer (laughs) factoid with me to make me smart again. If um, you ever taste a sour beer or they're often perhaps sometimes under the broad umbrella of some Belgian beers made in monasteries and so on, that sour is a spoilage yeast Britannomyces that in beer some people love but in wine is totally unacceptable. So of all the styles of wines we make in this winery, Britannomyces beer are banned (laughs) but everything else is in. So it's about yeast and fermentation, you know, that's part of what you know, makes the flavours and, and the, uh, the textures in beer as much as it does in wine. So that's the microbe that Birdie sniffs out. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, Botanomyces is a spoilage yeast and Bertie's been trained to smell it in wine. We are actually trying to get him to smell it in the barrel, so the wine in the barrel. You know, training detection dogs in wine is something that we're looking at for also an insect which is very serious uh, vine pest. It's called phylloxera. In fact, in the 1870s, 1880s, it devastated the entire vineyards of Europe. And it then arrived here in Australia in the late 1870s, 1880s, and devastated most of the vineyards of Victoria, including most of the vineyards around here in Dookie. And it still exists many over 100 years later. And we're also looking at having dogs to be able to sniff those insects out but at their early stages of development in the ground before they actually then are going to feed off the the roots of the vine and eventually kill it. I love it. Normally insects hunt out dogs, now the dogs are hunting out insects. (laughs) Oh, it's been done with termites for many years, you know, in terms of people sending dogs under houses for termite detection. In fact, dogs with that insect are um, 93% accurate in terms of their detection, whereas human beings are only about 70. So dogs are much better than humans. It's Dookie Day. Can I taste some wine? Yes, there are two ways you can taste the wine. Down in uh, the major sort of hub area in front of the Bar Lounge, we've got a tasting of our wines that we make here at Dookie, as well as local wines from Talises, which is actually where we source the grapes for our wine. And so we can taste it. You can buy a glass and sit in the sun and enjoy that with some food. Or we're doing a series of tours up here to the winery where I'll take you through the winemaking process. But then what you can do is taste some wine from barrel. 
So the 2019 wine that we've got in various barrels, so I'll show you the difference between American oak and French oak, for example, in a wine that's only been made in March of this year. Chris Barnes, thank you. Thank you, it's been good fun. Cheers. If you come to Dookie Day, you've got to come to the cellar where the barrels are. It's so exciting. Can you hear the sound in here? It kind of echoes.